Welcome back, Star Wars fans. This is the Star Wars Universe podcast, and myself and Ashley Coffin are here to talk about The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 3. All that more after commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm Matthew Fox, your host. I'm joined, as always, for all things Mandalorian by Ashley Coffin. Ashley, uh, what do we think of this episode? I liked it. I I loved parts of it. I liked other parts of it. It was a uh, it was a much longer episode than the others, mm-hmm. uh, which was fun. But um, you know, I, I'm very partial to the action, and I thought that the beginning sequence was really amazing. And then it yeah. just er, like kind of I don't know other word, but like blue ball me over to this slow yeah. story. And I was like, oh, which did pick up and ended up being really really interesting. Um, yeah, but I'm glad that we jumped back to where we left off. I thought we weren't going to do that. Yeah, I feel like they did a good job because I mean, I absolutely loved every single minute of Dr. Pershing and his journey and just getting to explore like what happened to the criminal, what happened to the people who are in the empire? How are they settling in? How is this all working? But it was slow. It was, it was um, a little slow. A couple episodes, a couple things I read said this is the Andorification of Mandalorian. <laughs> and I'm here for it. <laughs> but I true. think I I think if we had just gotten that for a full episode, I and six other people would have loved it. And I think most people, for good reason, would have been like, where's Mando? You know? Yeah. And so I am glad that we get this awesome action scene at the beginning that also pays off a lot of Mando's story with Bo-Katan. And then some of that at the end with this kind of like deep look at the the crime and punishment system of the new republic in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting cuz you know, you're seeing the dark side of what the republic is doing with mm-hmm. you know, brain scrambling and and things like that and that's not very good. But yep. it, you know, it it's hard to look at situations like this and and think of, you know, like okay, it's good they're trying to reintegrate people who work for the empire who, you know, yeah. were not Sith lords and evil and get them back into society and it didn't look like a horrible place to live um but it is interesting that we even went there i i yeah. kind of love that we're exploring this whole like deep side story of what's going on in star wars like i don't think i'd ever see something like that and i just thought it was really yeah. cool that makes sense that makes total sense so first of all i do think it's awesome and let's kind of just start with that first part of yin and bo katan we pick up right after they have been in the waters and first of all we learned something that there was some internet debate about and my friend danielle written the star wars turns out she was right he did just fall uh there was no like ken was like something grabbed him i'm like i don't think so you know and bo katan says it's because there was some kind of seismic activity and she doesn't know I'm a little disappointed by that because what I would have loved is if like after all of his, I know the way, I know the creed, I know true Mandalore, she'd been like, okay, do you know that there's a 30 foot drop after you? Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, oh, well. But great. Either way, we get that. And I just, I really love the way their relationship is developing. She has this great line of, okay, I acknowledge that you have bathed in the waters. I validate, I witness that you are redeemed. Can we go now? Yeah. And I'm like, such... You did too, but you did too. <laughs> yeah. Which which will come up for sure. I do and wish we... that she told him about them that she saw the creature. 
Yeah. What, why do you think she... Because clearly she was asking about it when she's saying, like, did you see anything living down there? Why do you think she held back? Maybe she didn't want to feed into um, what he's already believing so hard in. Maybe just holding mm -hmm. that back a little bit by, you know, for her, that was probably a big deal. Yeah. But she still doesn't want to feed into the whole other side of it. Right. Yeah, I can see it going in a bunch of ways. I think that's definitely a thing that could be there. Part of me thinks that she's already a little sensitive that like he doesn't that that he doesn't take her seriously as a Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. And so he might kind of be like, oh, come on. No, like he might like think she's crazy for thinking that. Forgive me for using that word, but you know what I mean? Yeah. But I also think the flip side of it could be like there's a lot of myths in the Mandalorians about like, you know, in the same way that like th this person who shall wield the dark saber shall be the ruler. I I'm using the kind of uh, the <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, but that also there's some talk about like the person who could ride a mythosaur. Like I think well, I don't think it was that like that's a prediction of who will rule. It's that when there were mythosaurs, the Mando, the person who you know would lead the Mandalorians, I think he's actually called the Mandalore. That that person would ride a mythosaur. So I also don't know if maybe this is her like, well, I didn't get the saber, but I don't want to tell. If I tell him about the mythosaur, he's going to ride the damn mythosaur <laughs> because he's got main character syndrome. So I need to keep that with myself and just I want to be the one to ride it. Oh, well, that's interesting. I, I forget how Dune Star Wars is sometimes. There's things that I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but really that is. is very interesting. Like I didn't I wouldn't have thought that to be, you know, a reasoning why. But yeah, I mean, sis needs to keep some cards in her pocket. Right? Yeah, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. I do also appreciate that, although she's kind of making fun, not even making fun of him, but she kind of has it exasperated, like, come on, Dad, you did the thing, let's go. Mm -hmm. When she says, like, can we go now? There is the moment where she talks about, you know, uh, her family and how they died, you know, fighting Man protect Mandalore. And, and, and Din responds, this is the way, and she responds, this is the way. And it it felt like a moment where if this was the two of them last season or even the beginning of this season, I think she would have been like, come on, don't use that the way stuff. You yeah. know, this is a serious thing. I think here she was like, no, I get that this is his way of showing respect for, for what I'm talking about. And I'm going to give that back. Yeah. I feel like they are finally born, like have a little bond and I really like it. Like I just, mm -hmm. I was worried for her during this, during the fight. I was like, they're not going to, because her story, this is past her story in anything, right? Everybody's kind of yeah. like past their stories. So I was super worried for some reason, because, yeah. yeah, I just, um, I can't wait to see, especially where we end up in this episode, where we're going with her. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, when you have nothing, maybe even the cult sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a thing. It, it, I think where she goes there is going to be really fun. Um, so let's talk about that fight scene. What'd you love about oh, it? So I love the planes and the, and the, the, just the way that they tie destroyers, you said? Tie interceptors. Tie interceptors, which is new to me, but they still obviously can't shoot because as usual, they're right behind <laughs> them through every scene and they never hit them once, which is just amazing at this point. Um, but I don't know. They just... Then it look like the like Ireland, Ireland, like Northern Ireland back setting and they're just flying around. Mm -hmm. It was everything my little action heart loved and needed. Yeah. One thing I loved, and this is a dumb nitpick, but one thing that, you know, it, 
outer space is fundamentally different than in an atmosphere and vehicles travel differently. And so <laughs> all of the kind of like banking turns and things like that, that you do in most star Wars, that doesn't actually make any sense in outer space. And that's part of why Battlestar Galactica was so good in, in that it was one of the first to be like, I mean, Babylon five was also one of the first to show like, no, this is how ships would actually, you know, move in space. And here, so they were like, no, okay, if we're going to do that, then let's do it in an atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Now we're much more like fighter jets. This is Top Gun. It's not science fiction. Well, doesn't the Millennium and, Falcon do that all the time? Yeah. Uh, and, and again, they're do, having them do it more in uh, atmospheres now, which is awesome. Because, yeah, when it does it in Empire, it looks phenomenal, but it makes no sense no. physics-wise. No, so. don't think about physics. We're talking about Star Wars. What are you doing? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, so many of the things from the like dropping him so that he like them going back so that he can get into a ship so that he can join the fight. When she said that, I thought that was ridiculous, but I they know. made it work so well with him with the jetpack and all. I got nervous even in that point. I was like, no, watch out for the castle because they were mm -hmm. shooting at him. And then when they came back around and just demolished it, I was like, oh, no, oh, no. It was awful. And. I think it also really showed how alone she was because yeah. you're sort of like, well, aren't any of her people left? Aren't there some like, you know, air defense weapons or like other people in in what ships? What friends? Yeah. I mean, she said that they all left when she couldn't bring back the Darksaber. And I thought in a small way that moment really drove that home. Mm. It's just a shame because the uh, the Mandalorians with her at the last episode of Mandalorian season two seemed so on her side. And I mean, they yeah. saw what happened, but it, they still seemed like they stuck by her. So yeah. uh, I don't know. I just wish there was a little bit more dialogue on exactly why, yeah. you know, just, oh, I didn't have the dark saber anymore. So then why aren't they all going after Din to be like, well, you're our leader now. Lead us. Yeah. My, my hope is that they had that, that those folks who were with her, they haven't turned their back on her. They're just like, well, we don't want to go live on an abandoned moon in that spooky old castle with you, but we're going to hang out over here where there's like, you know, stuff to do. But when you need us again, just call us. And she's like, they were too far away for her to them to come join this battle in time. I like That's that. That's my I hope. I like that narrative. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. So anything else on that battle scene before we move into, all right. So let's talk about amnesty programs. Um, I know this was kind of slow for you. What do you think though, the overall story we got? I think by the time we got to the end of where we were going, I was I, I realized what they were doing and I was more on board. But yeah. for them to just stop and I'm like, oh, I, I know I remember this character and, um, you know, the things that he was doing in the previous season. But I, I I didn't have such a connection with him to understand immediately what was going on and like the things he right. was talking for. But then, you know, the cloning stuff and the Republic Bandit. So it was interesting to just see them trying to um, uh, the the female character trying to trick him because we knew right. that she is no good. Yeah. Well, she's Elliot Kane, communications officer. Um, and yeah, <laughs> she was on Moff Gideon's ship with him. Uh, he had he had been taken prisoner a while before, but we knew that she was with Moff Gideon. And I thought they played that out so well, because if you were thinking the whole time that she was bad then you're a lot more ahead of me because I was oh, honestly not sure. Well, I thought it was going to go one of three ways. One, that she was honestly trying to help him, although they did some kind of music that made me think, okay, she's not entirely, you know, on the up and up. 
And she was, I mean, she was leading him by the nose so, and and I felt so bad for him, but also like, dude, you're getting so manipulated. Um, or I thought, I thought at first she might just be a narc and this might just whole thing be a like really kind of, you know, not great entrapment style, um, uh, in, uh, you know, a trap, trap, a narc, narc situation, which it does turn out to be true. But then there's that third level of, no, it does seem that she's probably doing something a lot more shady mm-hmm. when she turns the, the dial all the way up on that, it's really not a mind flare, we promise device. We promise. I did it too. I'm great. Like, what, yeah. Republic? What are you doing? Yeah, let, let's, I want to talk about his story, but just in, what did you think of the, what the Republic was doing with this whole thing with the, the, the former Empire people? Because it's it, it, uh, not great. No, it's not great. It's not great. Um, and at the same time, I also don't know what you do to make sure that these people are not still trying to yeah. take down the Republic, which unfortunately Dr. Penpusher was <laughs> not yeah. trying to. But, you know, the cloning thing's not great. Maybe we yeah. shouldn't do that. And um, I really did love the way that he tricked the robot into telling him it was OK. Smart yeah. people. I love smart people. <laughs> you know, if there's anything that this episode proved to me, it's that, that there is going around right now, especially in like huge, huge corporations where they're like, why don't we just build AIs and those can be the counselors for our workers. And that way they, we don't have to hire therapists. And <laughs> if ever an episode did a perfect job explaining why AI therapy is a terrible, terrible idea, <laughs> like you could see how upset he was, but of course the robot couldn't sense that. Anyway. The droid couldn't sense it. And it was just not a fan. I, yeah, like you, I get where the, where the Republic is com- new Republic is coming from. I think a lot of what they're doing is a good thing. I think the ideas of rehabilitation, I think giving him a chance to give this talk about like the work he was doing and why mm-hmm. it was important is great. The first thing that made me really kind of like perk my ears up about here's a problem. What, well, first was the when they gave him that little badge that helps him find others like him, but also lets everybody, it's kind of like the pink triangle, lets everyone right. know like he's the bad one and you see people reacting to it. But it was also when all of them introduced themselves to each other by their numbers. Right. I was like, like stop calling me by my number. I have a name. Why are we doing yeah. this? Yeah, and she has this moment that feel like at first I was like, is that just because they're former Empire and that's what they're used to? But no, like they have names. They mm-hmm. people called him by the, I think called him Doctor Pershing beforehand, mm-hmm. and and yeah, and the fact that it felt so transgressive and like she's making a real connection when when um uh when Elia told him her name and said I'm Elia Kane, communications officer. It was just like oh, it hit so home that like. I get where he was coming from, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I also saw right through her manipulations. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Little evil. Did, did you know that from the beginning that she was the one who left those biscuits? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he said yeah. he liked the biscuits, right? Yeah. It was, it was something along those lines. And, of course, she would get them. Yeah. Yeah, I was onto yeah. her from the second she had a, you know, a triangle mm-hmm. of sadness between her brow. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, want- he knows you. I, I wanted I wanted her to not be terrible, but but yeah, there it was. And it's funny because the way he talks, like when I stop and think about it and I realize, yeah, given everything that's been done with it and all the potential harms, shutting down cloning is probably the right thing. 
Mm-hmm. But what he says about like, you know, helping parents to, to, you know, craft a child that's a genetic material of both of them. He says the best of both of them. And so that's like, ah, uh, eugenics. But also I've worked with enough couples dealing with infertility to some extent who would kill for that kind of technology. Yeah. And I feel like, like I, I do come down at the end of like, no, it's probably the right thing to shut it all down. And certainly let's not trust the Imperial guy to do it. <laughs> but I at least 100% believe that he thinks he is doing the right thing. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the, the reason that he's in the situation that he is, is because he does think he's doing the right thing. And yeah. no matter what, if we had that kind of technology, someone's going to use it for bad. And it's yeah. probably going to be worse than any good that it can do. Yeah. And it's a really hard thing to think about and say, but those are the things that we have to shut down. And unfortunately, I don't feel like our society and and uh, scientists will do that if we ever get to that technology point. Yeah, I think you're right. There are, you're right. Rich people are already cloning their dogs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it, it's just such a, a mess. And, and, I, and I just love, though, the way that it's shown, like, I, I'm always in love with the story of, like, what happens when a rebellion has to rule, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, that idea of, like, you know, fighting is easy, but ruling is harder. And so just seeing how quickly the bureaucracy has hit, you know? Because that yeah. one guy who maybe he could have some decision-making power, maybe he isn't, but he's not saying, like, I agree with this decision or I disagree. He's just saying... Well, you have to file this form and then that form. It's just the, like, I'm captured by the bureaucracy. There's yeah. no actual engagement with should this be done or not. Yeah, and, I mean, it goes down to every little thing that we go through as a society. And when mm. you throw the Star Wars things over, it can be really easy to just use that to see things in a different perspective. But it's not too different from where we're at now, which is crazy yeah. to say. Because we never yeah. think we'd be at a weird future like this where these things are possible. I mean, again, to think about, like, the way people can take, like, a lot of propaganda is taking an idea that sounds reasonable and then using it to justify the unreasonable. And so when she says to him in terms of, like, why maybe he should go against the orders to not touch cloning, and she says, and this is the quote, following orders blindly is how we got in trouble in the first place. Mm-hmm. Oh, that hit me so hard because like, yeah, like, you know, I was just following orders like ever since Nuremberg we've accepted is not a defense. Like you, you have a moral obligation to refuse to follow an order that you know to be inhumane, to know to be wrong. And and so the way she uses that, I think that to me was more than anything where I was like, I had the, I had had the manipulation sense that you did, but I wanted to believe, but that where I was like, oh, (laughs) nope. This person's up to no good. No good. I was yeah. like, even for it was from the beginning shot when they showed her in her little imperial outfit. I was like, nope, <laughs> no. Yep. In the in, thank goodness for the uh, previously on this week mm-hmm. because it did help me a lot. Yeah. The other thing that I really loved was that first scene at the party right after he's given that speech because first it's a small little thing, but. I hate when you're at parties like that and you're having an interesting conversation with one person and a new person comes in and just is like, like that's the time where it is completely okay to interrupt whatever conversation was happening and be like, no, now you're going to talk about my thing. And so watching, watching him not like bathe in the adoration, but keep trying to go back to the first person he was speaking with (laughs) was so good. And And all those people were horrible. 
<laughs> oh, they were. And it was such that Andor moment of we try not to get involved. You know, mm-hmm. in this Galactic Empire, Rebellion, New Republic, who can tell the difference? Like, <laughs> one was blowing up planets and one wasn't. I think I can tell the difference, but... I guess you didn't even have to pay attention. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nice little bit of social commentary there. Uh, I actually so, really like the scene where she took him to the center, like, of the botanical... That wasn't the, botan- the botanical garden. Whatever it was with the rock that was on Coruscant. Oh, yeah. Because Coruscant is just this gorgeous city. It reminds me of, uh, like, the fifth element. And I'm like, gosh, if that's what the future looks like, I would really like to see it. (laughs) Yeah. But to have that rock there, and this is the only part of the planet that's still a piece of um, nature. I I don't know why. I just thought that was really cool. It really was. I think it's been mentioned in books, but I think it's the first time it's ever been seen on screen. Mm -hmm. And it's such a nice idea. And... As someone who grew up in New York City, you'd think that I'd want that. I've come to find that, like, being under a tree every now and then is kind of nice, too. And so the idea that the only piece of, like, nature that's still there is this dead rock with (laughs) nothing growing on it got to me a bit. But, yeah, it was a nice kind of little moment. And also how much he would respond to it. And then the way she pranks him. I know. In terms of, like, who's that? There's no sign, you know? It's like, on the one hand, I feel like that's... That's a good way to convince him not to trust his instincts. Right? So it's kind of like she's taking a big risk there. But I, I think in the end it works because I think it gets him to like, you know, she's teasing him a little bit. But I think it gets him to be like, oh, OK, that's fine. That's fine. I'll just listen to you going forward. Yeah. Um, I remember when we were uh, in Rome and I thought I could take my gelato down and sit on the corner of the Trevi fountain and eat it. It was very uh-huh. much like that scene. It was just whistles. It was two people blowing whistles in my face, yelling oh, at wow. me in Italian. And I was like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And it was like, no, you can't. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll take one foot this way and I'll sit on this. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. So I it really, yeah. that scene made me laugh. I was like, oh, I'm triggered. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard being a tourist, you know? Yeah. Like, it's hard. Well, speaking of Taurus, them sneaking out of that place, I was so frustrated with him the entire time. Like, this is how I knew that she was bad, because you wouldn't take the one person who looks more guilty than anyone you've ever met to try to sneak out of somewhere and to risk that. I was like, you knew you had to have something in your pocket to risk going out with this guy who looks at every person he walks by in the eye with this, like, worried Mm -hmm. face. I'm like, what are you doing? What's happening? I think the idea was that he would be the only one to know what they needed to steal and what they needed to take with them. Because you're right, or else it makes no sense. You know, like there's that great moment when he, she she does it to connect with the alien. And then later he says, you know, Tog's days, am I right? At <laughs> such the worst time. And like, you're like, oh God, yeah, like he's not a covert agent. He's really, really not. Really not. You're risking a lot to do this. So you mm-hmm. must have some kind of safety net. Yeah. Definitely. And just the, I I mentioned the word entrapment before, but I just want to say it again. Like it's to me another mark against the new Republic and also how little trust they have for these former Imperials because, Mm. you know, I I mean, I don't know what the court system on Coruscant is like, and maybe that's the point, but you know, in every court system I know, if, if someone comes to you and says, Hey, do you want to commit this crime with me? And you say yes. And then they arrest you. That's entrapment. Like the law is not supposed to work like that. Right. And granted it happens on our own world all the time because 
hey, policing's not always the best. But the fact that, like, even, like, the um, the Admiral Akbar guy, the Mon Calamari, who was just like, nope, it's okay, everything happened. And as we know, he got, like, mini mind flayed. Right. And he's not listening to him in the slightest. It was just like, oof, yeah. He and, like, did no- for a second, though, because when he said, you tricked me, he I, I noticed that he, like, stopped and looked over at right at the girl. So yeah. I was like, oh, but it wasn't enough. Yeah. Because there's no trial. There's no, like, no. process of, like, let's hear the evidence. It's just, nope, he got caught. So let's do the mind thing to him. And I'm mean, honestly, the happy-go-lucky attitude that the other guy has, I think, is a pretty good sign of this is mind control of some kind. Mm-hmm. It is some kind of, like, you know. And mind- who's in charge of this? Who signed off on this? Like, who's doing this in the Republic? Yep. I got questions. <laughs> yeah. Because they do at least, I think part of what they show at the end, though, is that the Republic is doing it at a much lower level. And then it still has horrifying effects, but it's right. nowhere near as bad as the full personality wipe. But then, yeah, our 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 friend, but then, yeah, our friend uh, Elliot Kane just comes in and turns it all the way up to 11. Yeah. Ken was like, oh, she's going to turn it all the way up. I was like, oh, yeah. no. But then it was really good to actually see. Do you think he's going to come back? Do you think we're going to see what happened there with um, Pushpen? Or do you think that was kind of like a wrap for his story? I think it's a wrap. I think his name is uh, Pershing. Pershing. If I'm remembering right. Um, What's his first but, name? I know uh, it sounds... Pep- it was something else with a P. Like, Sorry. Not- I want to say Pepe, but that's not it at all. Um, <laughs> Dr. Pushing. Pen. I, th- I think it was, it was Pen. Pen. Per- that's it. Pen. Oh, but you're right. It might be Pushing, actually, not Pershing. Pen Pushing. <laughs> Pen Pershing, yeah. Um... I don't know. I love the character. I really love the actor. I think in a little way, I was a bit disappointed by that because I and I kind of hope that the story of what's happening to the former Imperials gets treated in another thing. There's a couple of different Star Wars stories that were also supposed to happen that I believe were also going to take place at this time period that wound up not they got canceled or, you know, are going to get shifted around. And Kathleen Kennedy has said that some of the story ideas they had from that are going to get moved into other shows like Mandalorian. Mm. And I think that's part of what happened here. I think there was an idea that there was going to be a whole storyline about former Imperials in a different show. Hmm. And so I hope that we don't get I hope that we get more of that story either in Mando or in some other project that's coming. But I think this is the end for the good doctor. I think he's being pretty well and truly lobotomized. Yeah. And as much as I want that story, I also don't want that during my Mandalorian season because it's already so, you know, the seasons are short. The episodes go from 30 minutes to 50 minutes. Like, yeah, yeah, I I don't want that in my put it in Boba Fett. Yeah. (laughs) We'll see. Yeah, I I think it would have been better in its own thing. I think I'm excited to see how it will tie into Mandalorian because I'm sure that it will. But it's going to be girl. Yeah. As much as I loved it, I felt it was it was a little like, uh, how does this tie in? So yeah. we'll see. But I, I just loved it because to me, it tied in so much to what they're doing in the rest of this whole universe mm-hmm. of all these things are slowly happening to put the pieces together to finally justify how Palpatine comes back and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. I agree. So, 
All right. Well, then, you know, then we then do. Then we get uh, back. <laughs> meanwhile, back in the uh, cult cave, as you discussed it. Uh, the the, <laughs> the, the new version. cult cave. The new version of the covert. Uh, yes. We get this great scene where Mando and Bo-Katan show up. And at first, Vizsla especially doesn't want them around. But they get proven to be, you know, they were redeemed in the waters. And everyone's happy except for Vizsla. Glowers a little bit. I don't know how you can glower under a mask, but he's definitely glowering. <laughs> Uh, what'd you think of that whole story? I would loved it because I don't know. I just liked, you know, again, they're under masks, so you can't see it. But like Bo Kitam was obviously physically, uh, you know, affected in a good way by being welcomed back into this new society and she can leave whenever she wants to. But then everybody was like, you know, patting her shoulders. Whereas when she had first gotten there, they were like, ah, you're not real Mandalore. Get out of here. Yeah. So, you know, it was a real flip within 15 minutes for her but it seemed like she was kind of you know responding to it positively i it's just i had a little bit of a different take i think there's definitely a lot of that positivity of being welcomed which again can be like oh all my other people abandoned me maybe this is like a cool thing and also just like hey cool more people i can recruit it helps (laughs) if they think i'm part of it but i do think she i mean i commented in another place where i talked about this that my history as a pastor who was often the more progressive Christian who very conservative ones would be like, oh, you're not a real Christian because you haven't done this, this, or this. And who I often counseled people like that. I get a little squirrely at the, well, you technically did our ritual, so you're one of us now. Um, especially because the whole point is that they have a creed. Mm-hmm. And creed comes from the word credo, which is I believe. Like the whole point is that a creed is about what you believe. So the fact that they were like, well, you don't believe any of it, but technically you did it, so you're one of us, was a little like, <laughs> you guys are uh, have some hypocrisies here to, to work out. But I, I think you're right. I think she does appreciate it. I, I think she's I somewhat thought she, if she skept- Like the whole time I thought she was going to take her helmet off in the middle of them saying all of it. So when she mm. didn't, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe she can hang here until she figures out what to do now that her mansion was blown up. Yeah, I, I think she's definitely decided to go along with it. And I think you're right. There is some of it she really appreciates. And I think, I mean, I like when I don't know where the story's going. Mm-hmm. Because I think you could show me a version of the story in which she becomes more of a children child, more of like the children of the watch than anyone. Which, by the way, she was in the original Death Watch. So that yeah. isn't completely, like, I think there's a lot about this that would appeal to her, especially after the Darksaber stuff didn't work. But I also could see it as her becoming very uncomfortable with it and her and Mando maybe to some extent like connecting because they both feel uncomfortable with their own group's kind of dogma. And and I, I like that we don't know. I like this really depend on what happens. Yeah, I definitely don't feel like that that's the place for either of them to like yeah. stay. Um, but right now it works. But yeah, yeah. it's not going to it's not going to hold. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's true. Well, I think that's about all I would say. Um, any other last comments you have about this episode? Um, no, not really. I think we covered all of it. I, you know, I did like it though, even if it yeah. was it got a little slow, but they picked it back up. It was cool to see the destroyers, mm-hmm. however, in that whole like shipyard. That was cool. Yep. Yeah, seeing that ship kind of getting picked apart, and I thought the train was fun. And as a person who, in a fairly delinquent youth, uh, it, it, as a fairly delinquent youth may have occasionally 
ridden on trains that I wasn't supposed to by strategically knowing when the conductors were going to be collecting tickets. I did have a lot of sympathy <laughs> for that moment. And and like when they were about to jump off the train, I was like, come on. That was that, ridiculous. What The fact that she timed it, that there was like she knew a place where there were like some padding to jump onto. I was like, OK. Low point. Still hard to believe, but OK. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And it, it's why I like having you on here so much, because I think it's great to have the different perspectives. Because for me, this is absolutely my favorite episode of this season, probably in my top three episodes of all of Mandalorian. Like, oh, cool. I just thought it was so, so good. But I like that we get both because I also think you're right. It is kind of a departure from the kind of cowboy samurai-ness of a lot of the Mando till this point. And I think it's I, – I, I like the idea that Star Wars is going to say, look, we just have this whole wide, whole wide galaxy of questions and stories and characters to explore in the post-Empire days. And I want them to do that, but I also want there to have some cohesion, you know, because mm-hmm. – so we'll see. We'll see where it all goes. We'll see. Well, Ashley, I'm so glad that I could get you on uh, tonight because I have the impression that you're doing a few other things these days. Uh, what is Ashley Coffin up to in the world of podcasting and videos and TikToks and all the rest? Uh, well, right now on Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater, we just covered Scream. And within probably the time that you're listening to this, we'll have dropped our review of Scream 6. Uh, we are still covering everything MCU over at the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And, uh, yep, that's, that's that's about it. And then, yeah. you know. A lot of great stuff. Uh, <laughs> both of those are fantastic podcasts that you should definitely be checking out. Uh, all that can be found on strandedpanda.com, as well as just by following the show notes that we're going to put in the uh, – uh, along with all the comments we'll put in the show notes of this episode. Of course, this is an ethical panda of course, I am The Ethical Panda, and you can find all the podcasts I do by going to theethicalpanda.com. There you'll find all the stuff about this podcast. You'll also find about superhero ethics, where we will have, uh, we just did an episode with Danielle and Aaron about The Last of Us, which we'll be putting up there. Um, definitely worth checking out. But most importantly, we'd love your feedback. What do you think? Is this a great new direction for Mandalorian? Do you want to be more spaceships and cowboys and, and, and laser fights? What do you want, and, and what do you think of this episode? Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. All the ways to contact us you can find by going to theethicalpanda.com or looking in the show notes. Uh, I'm going to keep Ashley here for just a few more minutes as we're going to do a bonus section for patrons where we're actually going to talk a little bit about The Last of Us because superhero ethics and Star Wars are just crossing over each other all the, <laughs> all the time. For everybody else, though, thank you so much for being a part of this. We have spoken. Bye. All right. Ashley, so we're just going to make a, a quick little bonus content here because you are the horror fan extraordinaire in my life, and you have taught <laughs> me so much about the horror genre. And I know that at the beginning of the show, The Last of Us, you were super excited about it and were really excited to come on and talk to me about it. And my understanding is that by the end of the show, you were not, you did not love it the way that you thought you would and, and were a lot less interested in it than you thought you would. And... You know, on that other podcast we just did about The Last of Us, one thing I talked about was how it subverted a lot of horror movie ideas and became much more of a, a dystopia than a horror movie. Um, and so I'm curious for you, what what was it about the show that kind of lost you? Um, well, I, it's not that the show lost me and I didn't dislike it. I liked mm. the show for what it was, but it's just an, a, a regular show for me. It's nothing blowing my mind. It's not, mm. you know, a lot of people are, you know, 
I didn't play the game, so I don't right. know the story that's coming, but I find that the story is pretty predictable. It's it's fun to watch, but the the zombies are few and far between, and it, it's nothing I haven't seen before, mm-hmm. um, which is I, why I don't have a very emotional connection to the things that are happening where other people seem to be acting like this is the most emotional show they've ever seen. Right. And I'm like, I've just been there, done that. I've watched so many shows, so... You know, we watched it. Have you watched? Have you finished the show? Yes. Okay. I, it, you thought the whole thing with Joel and him making that. By the way, huge spoilers for for uh, <laughs> the, last the end of, us of the show. If you didn't watch it. But you thought all that stuff about Joel turning and and deciding just to rescue Ellie and and blowing away all the fireflies and then him lying to her that was all kind of predictable for you. Um. Yes, because you see that the second there's a switch in him after he picks her up from uh. Mm-hmm. the house of horrors which is what i'm going to call it you right. know she was going to be horribly raped maybe eaten we don't know what was going to happen there that guy wanted to make her her child his child bride but there's a switch in joel from that episode to the next and how protective and how mm-hmm. much he is obviously emulating that now this is his daughter figure and he's going to protect her as much as he would protect tommy and we know that joel is a killer and that's my, yeah. honestly probably my favorite part about the show the show mm-hmm. is how brutal joel is and i know that makes me sound like a psycho but i really loved that no, part get when he took everybody out and i'm like in a post-apocalyptic world if you are not joel you're dead so yeah. that i love and i love that ellie is kind of the same way um, they both are very much exactly the same person, which is why this whole father-daughter relationship thing uh, seems to work for them, um, even though it does seem very new for Ellie. She seems like she's having a problem, right? you know, opening up more to Joel, where Joel in that last episode was like, I'm your father figure now, trying to make her happy, trying to make her laugh. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean... You know, I I had an idea that they were going to have to uh, probably kill her to get the Mm -hmm. the cure because I never really trust Marlene, even when I met her. But so to find out that there was that whole backstory where uh, she's uh, Ellie's mom's best friend makes it even, you know, more terrible. But then when Joel killed her for it, I was totally for that. And then mm-hmm. it's like now we have to kill everybody who thinks that they or uh, I'm sorry. Now they have to kill everybody who knows that Ellie is the cure right. to protect her. And I mean, it makes total sense. It doesn't make it doesn't help society at all. Yeah. But he sees her now as his little girl, my baby girl, and he's yeah. not going to let anybody hurt her. So, yeah, it was kind of. Yeah, that's fair. I, I was really blown away by it, but I. But I agree with you that it's not – I mean, I think in part why I liked it as much as I did is it's not a zombie show. Like, there were very few zombies. It was much more a – the post-apocalypticness and, like, what do we do? Because you're right. It's – I kind of got to a place where I sort of felt like I totally understand Joel. I totally understand um, Marlene. I think the mistake both of them make is that they don't give Ellie any choice in the matter. And and to me, where Joel really loses me is not even when he – goes and kills all these people it's when he lies to her about it oh because but, she'll probably choose to let them do it and he yeah. can't handle that because he can't lose another daughter yeah no i think that's true and i think that's part of it is that's the moment where i think you're right seeing her get so close to all those terrible things happening to her under david uh with the church people it's that moment where he had stopped she becomes 
not her own person for him as much, but the like the thing I have to protect. Um, and, and, and yeah, so I can totally get it why it's just not your thing. I think for me, one of the thoughts I had, especially as I, I watched Joel do this, was, oh, so this whole thing is a villain origin story. And I don't even mean that in that, like, we, the audience, are supposed to think he's a villain. But, like, think about all the villains we've been getting, especially in something like the MCU, mm. where, like, they have a really good justification, but from the point of view of the hero, they're, they're wrong. But actually, if you looked at it from their point of view, they're completely justified. Yeah. You know? And, like, and so to me, it was just, like, I really love that they gave us that, like, yeah, there, there is no heroes in this world. There is no villains. Everyone's doing exactly. what they think they need to do. And we, the people outside that world, can sit back and judge it. But if you're in that world, who knows? Yeah, that, that's why I can't even say he is a villain because, yeah, you know, what if they go in there and they pull out her brain and it doesn't end up being the cure? Yeah. Then they oh. just killed her. And to be clear, I'm not saying that I think he's a villain from our objective standpoint. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that, like, his story is what you would get a story a lot like his if the hero was the person who was like, you know, you could have a story about a person who is told this, we almost cured this, this, this vampire, this zombie. I want it to be vampires always. We almost <laughs> cured this zombie thing, but this total terrible person stole the cure. You have to go find them and get the cure back. And then at the end, you realize that the cure is his daughter, you know, right. or that it's something like that. It's like, that's that's a Batman villain if I ever heard of one, you know? But Yeah. And it's like these shows, you know, we've seen so much of it. There's so many zombie shows and so many zombie movies that I've seen. I've seen dozens and dozens. And mm-hmm. it's just, I, I guess I thought I was going to see something new, but I've seen fungus zombies before. Like, it's it's not a, a brand new thing. And mm-hmm. um I do appreciate, like, when I'm watching it, I can see the uh, video game influences, especially yeah. in this last one, like her not putting the ladder down enough for him to get up mm-hmm. or all that other stuff, uh, you know, her running over- away just so he can't catch her. I was like, this is very yeah. video game, which is really cool. So it's like not like we're definitely going to keep watching the show. It's yeah. just not. Um, not what's grabbing you. Yeah, it's not scary. Yeah. It's not. You know, the drama, you know, for some people, this might be the most dramatic show they've ever seen. And I'm like, oh, you sweet summer child. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Fair. Yeah, I think it's just, I don't think it's even about like, you know, more experience with the genre or whatever. I think it's just a very different way of looking at the genre. Yeah. But I do agree with you about the video game thing. Mary has, my spouse has played through the whole game and she was watching it with me. And there were moments like when, she doesn't put the ladder all the way down or like when Joel is the sniper, when all the zombies come up and she was like, I hated this moment in the game. Yeah. Yeah. It, those are all things that like in the game you had, you had to be that sniper. And apparently it took like in the 20 house. playthroughs yeah. in the house, but also in that time when the, when they're almost caught by the people in Kansas city, but mm. then the truck falls through and all the zombies come out. And like, apparently in the game, you have to be the sniper, like watching Ellie picking off any zombies that get too close to her. Yeah. It's um, crazy. So Yeah. Well, anyway, Ashley, thank you so much for being a part of this. Always good to have you on. To our patrons, thank you so much for supporting us. You're the ones who really make all this possible. And uh, thank you and good night. Bye.